Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Monday, it's 12.30, this is the place to be, it's always the place to be, it's the Axom Monday Club. Today you'll notice I'm in the mothership, I'm in the godfather chair, so that makes me Don Curly Whirly, come on. So if that makes me Don Curly Whirly, I'm joined by Sonny. Curly Whirly, a.k.a. James Can, the maverick that is Russell Boys, how are you, Russell? Yeah, great, mate. It's good to be in the studio with you today, Tony. We've had a wee morning of, you know, chewing the fat and, uh, you know, brainstorming. It's been a productive morning at Axon HQ. Excellent, Russell, like that. So, if Russell's sunny, curly Wally, that makes the amazing Amy Canavan, Constance, curly Wally. How are you, Amy? I'm doing well, Tony. I am really good. It's um, nice to, to get the enthusiasm of you guys. So, it's, um, yeah, it's a good day. It's a good day. And in true Godfather style, I'm just about to give you an offer you can't understand. Never mind refuse. We're going to talk about the rip-roaring, free-scoring, never-boring Glasgow Celtic. So let's get into it. And Amy, <laughs> I want to get your thoughts firstly on Aj, Aj Postacoglu being mic'd up on Friday. That wonderful three-minute clip of training, which seems to have caught fire and the imagination of Celtic supporters. What was your thoughts? Were you a fan? Did you like it? I absolutely loved it. I was totally and utterly engrossed in it. You know, I thought it was exceptional, um, and I think I think it was everything that we really needed. Um, you know, and it was even just it was the simplest things, the basics, but it was just so encouraging to really see a man at the helm and really wanting to be at the helm, like he wanted to be in that squad and integrating and really be in and involved the action, not standing on the sidelines dictating, um, just shouting a, a load of rubbish, you know. Everything he said got me, you know, on board and I, I was totally and utterly in on it. It was a great three minutes and it's all part of the, um, it's, 
it's just all part of that movement that we really needed from the club. You know, that step forward. This is the sort of stuff, the, the content. You know, I don't actually think any of us is really expected, but wow, it's it's really what we needed. Um, and it's really a way to get us all on board. And anybody who's still, you know, a little bit sceptical about it, you, you watch that and it's that can only enhance, you know, and get a little bit closer to being on that bus if you're not already there. Um, it's, it's great content. It, it really is. And I think everything that, you know, just his little his little spiels, um, his his comments, just the way he goes about things. You know, it's just I think it's even his tone. I think my my granny's always it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Um, and mm. I think that's <laughs> spot on. She's usually saying it in another context. Always listening to your grand, they're wise people. You know, they're, seen, they're not old. They're not old. I've seen a lot of things, as Jim King Jim would say. Okay, on, but um, you know, it's. It's, it's in that sort of sense as well that it's just the way that his enthusiasm is coming across and he's not he's not a shout well he is shouting but he's not shouting at the players he's shouting with the players almost you know and it's so it's encouraging to see it's the little you know even already knowing you know the, the young guys names there's Kerr McEnroy in there there was Leo Connor so it's not the big you know glamorous names but you can already see he's trying to have that little bit of connection with the players and it's just you know you, you can't really expect and hope for a lot more than in a guy's first week at the helm Russell, the thing that struck me was the openness and transparency of it all, which Dominic Mackay alluded to. Rugby background, referees are always mic'd up. I've got a feeling that Dominic Mackay had a hand in maybe having Ange mic'd up for training and just bringing the club back to the supporters, reconnecting. We spoke a lot about that last season, that there was a disconnect. on, on, On Friday, you already felt reconnected with the club. And as Amy said, it was the way he was saying things and the the encouragement that he gave to the players, three or four passes strung together, that's good football, lads. You know, and he's not saying anything that I don't expect him to say, but it was the way he said things. And he clearly loves Odson Edward because Odson Edward was mentioned. Brilliant Odson, excellent Odson, magic Odson. I, I want I Odson want to stay. I'm sure he wants Odson to, to stay as well. But, you know, just little things like that. But, you know, it was a, it was a nice wee insight, isn't it, into... I date, uh, know what they were all about and a date training and you, you did feel closer to the club you were making that pass you were finishing that shot that Odson mm-hmm. was finishing that kind of thing so what was your take on it Russell did you enjoy it as well totally um, I think uh, you know from, again I agree with you know the actual content of what he said I think he reinvented the wheel of coaching at, you know, at any stage but I think what for whatever reason it has resonated with the fans it has undoubtedly went you know viral to an extent with Celtic supporters who all seem to have jumped on it, um, which is brilliant because, I mean, every other tweet that Celtic posted um, last season and even, you know, most of the summer has been hit with a thousand comments, you know, criticising or slating the board or, you know, abusive at times. And I think they've done two really important actions in the past week or so. One was obviously the fan media conference, which resulted apparently, according to Dominic Mackay, the highest season tickets ever sold in one day. And then you've got this video where finally they've managed to turn the narrative into a positive on Celtic's Twitter feed, which is one heck of an achievement itself. If you ever do read the uh, the sort of comments they are normally subjected to for whatever it is they tweet, particularly a happy birthday one. Um, I also thought it was good that he knew all the names of the players. Uh, I thought that was impressive. I think, like Amy said, he's trying to integrate himself by doing that. And it's just maybe it's just a genuine touch of class as well. I think that's someone who's get making an effort with his squad, wants to get to know everyone on a one-to-one basis. And we need to talk about the save that we've seen in the training video, Tony. Oh. I thought you might want to jump oh. in there, mate. I, I witnessed the eighth wonder of the world. Barky. <laughs> Barky made a save. Yes. I think we should have a, a round of applause for Barky making a save. Yes. We are, we are being flippant about that, but... Uh, Obviously, Barkashi singled him out for a bit of praise for making, and it was a good save, by the way, I have to say. But yeah, I mean, it's I, I just like the fact that, as you say, he's, he's ingratiating himself to the players and he is picking out things that they do well. You know, even if it is just a simple thing like a goalkeeper making a save, Amy, Odson finishing a move, or a good pass, but he, he is very hands-on. And you can hear him, and he's got a loud, booming voice. And, you know, and I, and I think I was also studying the players' body language to see if they were buying what he was selling. And, yeah, they were. They, they seemed very much in unison 
and in mm-hmm. tandem with it all, and you know they they were on board. So again, talking the talks fine. Need to walk the walk, but you know it was. I thought it was just it was a a cracking wee snapshot, and it gave everybody a wee feel good factor again. And we're building the feel good factors in relation to Celtic, I think. And Ange. Yeah, there was no you know groundbreaking sort of coaching mastermind piece behind this. You know, we're um, we're not getting ahead of ourselves here, but I think it was. I think it was just the fact that you know the basics we done wrong so often last season, so. We we need to get it installed again. That you know, if you get the basics right, then then that's the that's the first step, and and that is what needs to be you know really drawn upon right now. But it was just the whole. I think it was more the atmosphere, not the actual training. I think it was like like say the the integrating the um, the I'm trying to, like say I'm not saying shouting but demanding calls but encouraging you know um, and I think that's something that I just feel was was lacking around the club last year there was just a lot of negativity I'm not saying obviously we never got to, to see training sessions quite so mic'd up last year but you can't imagine it being the same sort of response and response. same sort of um, cheers and just you know just a general buzz you know it looked at something was clicking um, and it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly what was going right but it was just good that it was nice seeing something not going wrong um, in that sense so it was it was a great move by the club I think and as Russell says it's a great way to try and get the fans back on board and three minutes of good content is um, as well as well needed uh, True I, I just liked it's a nice wee snapshot wasn't it Russell of maybe life with Ange and you know it, it it, as a move to get people on side it or the supporters on side it it certainly did that didn't it because uh, uh, as you say it went viral and people are now talking about Celtic much more positively again which can only be a good thing yeah totally I think you know as obviously we've spoken about every essential as he gets off to a good start the best way of enhancing his chances of that is having a buy-in from the fans having the fans on side backing the man and the man in the dugout not perhaps on the fence with it like I was, you know, um, I think, you know, what you're wanting is to get as many of the supporters, firstly, they've they've been clever by getting the season books renewed to such a high level, which we didn't all expect or see, necessarily see that coming. Secondly, you're getting positive vibes now from the fans, positive energy. Um, And I think, you know, he's going to need all the help he can get. We know how big a rebuild job is required. We know that he's starting, you know, with very little time in his hands. We've discussed all that. But what you can have to help you is goodwill from the fans and the fans are all completely back in and getting on board with what is a new era because it is obviously not just the manager, it's Don Mackay as well. And the early signs are very good. They're encouraging, but it will count for nothing if we don't see it replicated on the pitch, of course. But to give them the best chance of getting good results on the pitch, you need a fan base behind you in unison as well. So we seem to be doing that. My only criticism, and it's slight, I was reading various fan forums and stuff and various comments on the actual training session. You know, people were saying he's, he's, he sounds like Jock Steen, he sounds like Brendan Rodgers, he sounds like Martin O'Neill. I would say, can that? You know, th- those kind of comparisons right now, just, I don't think they're needed. He's Ange Postacoglu, he'll do it his way. You know, so comparisons to others, you know, just, just let him breathe. Let him get his feet under the table in the job, and he will become whatever manager he becomes at Celtic. He will, you know, fashion his own future at Celtic. So that that was my only my only gripe about people sort of jumping in straight away and comparing him to others. You know, it's this guy's first major job in European football. Just let him get on with it and and breathe, Amy, and and see what see what the future brings. That's what I would say. You know, it doesn't matter who it is. Comparisons that they're never needed and never warranted, especially when you know the guys never actually even even led the team out yet. It's um, it's you know it's pressure that's not needed, and it's the same with players. You know, comparisons they're just there. There's no need and there's no good because it's you know. Martin O'Neill's time was now, you know, 18 to 20 years ago. It was a totally different time. Yeah. You know, if you push it back to Jock it's, you know, it's 55 years ago. So <laughs> there's there's no need to be um, com- comparing because the game's moved on, players have moved on, everything's changed. So comparisons are just, I don't know, it's almost, if you're struggling for an argument, it's, I just think it's kind of a kind of easy, easy shot, yeah. easy target to try and, you know, pummel a guy down. 
Now, the strap line, Russell, here is how many more signs does Ange Postacoglu need to make for Michelin game? Now, Martin Davy comes in, and thanks to all your contributors on YouTube, and I forgot to mention some comments last week, so I will now redress this. Martin Davy comes in and he says, Martin Davy says, Celtic, at least four more for covering defence, midfield and a goalkeeper. Do you go along with that, Russell? The, I mean, I think... I think um... It's a good point. Four players, I think, is the bare minimum, absolutely. Um, I would definitely like to see a goalkeeper coming in. It looks like we're making inroads in the centre the centre half situation. I would certainly be encouraging that position to be getting strengthened as well, um, particularly when we're, you would think there might be some heading to the exit door in that area as well. I would like to see, I still think on the left is a real worry for me, you know. Um, I know Greg Taylor, I, I felt... We were a wee bit harsh on him last week. I think certainly think he's a better player than Ralston. I'm not sure who it was that was comparing, but I felt that he was. I think he's a far, far superior player to Ralston at the right back. No offence to Ralston either in that in that that um, opinion, but I think Taylor offered quite a lot last year. To be fair, I think it was seven assists, um, which is not bad going either. I uh, certainly need help though, um, and it'll be interesting as well with how Ange lines up, if we're going to be playing with wider players as well, wingers, you look at Mikey Johnson who can maybe come in further forward than the left-hand side, but I know there's question marks over firstly his fitness. And I think some are beginning to question whether they think he will be a good fit for Celtic as a first-team regular as well. And then obviously you get to up front, and I still think we need both the, the Griffiths re-signing uh, through the week was welcome in my opinion. I thought it was common sense prevailed. I thought it was the right decision. I certainly think we could be doing more options than just him and Ajeti up front. Of course, the million-dollar question, or the $20 million question, we hope, will be whether Odson Edward stays. If you've got a Yeti Edward Griffith, you maybe just need one more up top. I don't think it's a future for Bayo. But yeah, I mean, you're looking over the whole, the whole piece, and like I've already touched on, it is a big rebuild required now. It is a big rebuild, and we might just need to accept it he's going to need to just be doing it sort of like in a building blocks sort of style where it's, you know, certain positions get strengthened whilst others, maybe they just can't get all these bodies in at the same time. So other positions might struggle a wee bit because of that. But yeah, big strengthening. I agree with the contributor. I think four bare minimum. Wait a minute, Russell. Well, I'm going to go all 80s on you and Harry Enfield. Loads of money. We're walking our wad on the counter here. Double, double, bosh, bosh, bosh. We're splashing the dosh. We're going to sign everybody. Got Aaron Hickey at three and a half million quid. We've got Vuskovic at five million quid. You know, we're possibly selling higher for 12 million quid. So, you know, the money's not an option. <laughs> Allegedly. Nah. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I'm being flippant again, Amy, but now there are seems to be positive moves with they're being linked with a three and a half million pound move for Aaron Hickey and Vuskovic didn't play in a friendly at the weekend with Croatian media hinting that he's they've only finalised a four million deal for him. Now we spoke about Vuskovic last week. Aaron Hickey, a player that has been originally at Celtic, let go, gone to Bologna, set the header alight, and also I was reading that he's caught the eye and impressed that much that Napoli are also believed to be in the hunt so uh, you know what? so we'll, we'll see what happens but Will McMillan comes in here to say I like the vids so far but we haven't signed anyone of merit or note yet we need to get a move on Amy are you you subscribing to that theory it's two weeks to the Michelin game Michelin my pronunciation differs every time I say the name mm -hmm. of the the, the crack Danish side, I think we'll call them. Uh, what's your thoughts, Amy? Do you think we need to get a move on in the transfer market and at least bring in a few bodies? One of the 
contributors said they need four players. Do you see us needing more? I do, to be honest with you. It's a tough one because every two minutes, I'm, I'm either like, right, we need to have a little bit of patience. <laughs> um, you know, I need to need to give Ange time. But otherwise, you're thinking, you know, it's two weeks till, you know, the, to, to, the, to the game. It's not kicking the teeth off for much longer till um, our season really does kick off in the league. And, you know, the, the mass rebuild we were talking about months ago is still needed because it is worrying that we've not got any, you know, ready-made player really in and and that is where we need to look and I understand it's a tough market but these these gems have to be out there and if we want to be a top club you know we have to have the the guys in place to be able to find these gems and because we've been there before we've found them so we know they're there and and we talked about it last week you know your hoopers and and whatnot um but it's it's tough it's um it's it's worrying I I think I, I am now a little bit worried in the sense that it's just you know it's it's not the time we don't needs 18, 19 year old players who are, and if they're ready made and if they're ready to walk into the first team then that's fine but I mean, don't need an 18, 19 year old project player, that is not what we're after right now it needs to be somebody who can come in and, and walk into that first team and really not need a four to six month you know, bedding in period, it needs to be able to walk into that side and, and put in a performance and I know that is asking quite a lot but it's the kind of state that we are in right now Hickey is, um, is an interesting one, I think there's a lot of frustration around Hickey, not about the player but I think just around the club, you know, as in he was our player to start with. Obviously, he didn't quite hit the bill. But then this time last year, we were, you know, close to signing him as well. And I think it's, I can't quite remember, was it 1.8 we possibly could have got him for last year? And now we're looking at 3.5, 4.5. And it's just, you know, that's a, it's a whole different topic, but you're just thinking bad business Celtic yet again. Um, but that is, that's another side oh. of the story. Well, someone took that decision that Aaron Hickey wasn't going to cut it as a Celtic player. Yeah. You know, so... You'd have to turn first and foremost turn around and say, who made that decision Absolutely. Uh, initially? You know, and because he did play very well against Celtic for Hearts in the Scottish Cup final. You know, King Jim said that other times he's seen him, he flattered to deceive. So it depends where you stand on him. But, you know, he was, he was Celtic's player. And now you're looking at a three and a half possible four million outlay for someone that you had on your book. So... You know, somebody's made that decision and what could cost them in the long run, i.e. to buy them back. But if they see him now as a Celtic player moving forward, then so be it. Is he first team ready, Russell, do you think? Aaron no, Hickey? I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It would be interesting to see. Um, I wish I was better informed. I could really be doing more homework sometimes, Tony, because it would be interesting to see what sort of impact he made at Bologna um, when he was there. Uh, you know, obviously, if they're willing to sell him, it appears to be like they are open to that idea. Why would that be already? Do you know what I mean? Um, you would like to think if you were saying a young prospect that you'd be developing them and you'd be growing them and then making them first team ready at your own club. As opposed, I mean, what's three and a half million to a Serie A club? I'm not too sure. Um, I'm not sure if, you know, compared to their TV deal, that makes them that much money at all, you know? So, it is interesting. Would he, would he get me off my seat with excitement? Probably not. Um, but again, in Ange, we trust. And if that is a player or a person of interest, Tony, that he wants, then <laughs> by all means, go for it. Um, I think, that, as I say, the left-back area, I think Taylor's got a lot more responsibility in his shoulders this season. Um, I think he's now going to be someone who, by being at Celtic for two years, will now be, you know, one of the more experienced players in the squad, I think, you know, once we've seen this full overhaul um, completely sort of go full cycle. So, you know, be looking at him. If you're going to bring in a younger understudy, then I think you would put a lot of pressure on Taylor to sort of be, you know, lifting his standards to those that we expect at Celtic. Um, Hickey, for me, I'm on the fence. I'm not I'm not overly excited by it, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be saying it would be a terrible signing or anything either, if I'm being honest. You spoke about forward coming in or a forward coming in now Amy the Kevin Nisbet uh, link just isn't going away Celtic supposedly interested in him and uh, Hibs would look for in the region of 3 to 4 million we've been in this movie with Hibernian before I will not say the name of the player because we move on as King Jim would say so you know is it going to be one of them scenarios 
one of those scenarios again? Or do you think if Celtic really want Kevin Nisbet, we go and pay the money and bring him in or, and see a kind of new way of doing business? Hibs say this is the price for Kevin Nisbet, Celtic pay the price. Well, if Celtic want him, you know, Celtic have to go out and get him. I, I do think it is that simple. Um, you have to try and show yourself as you know a, a powerhouse, a club, especially in your own country. And there's been too many players in Celtic's own backyard that they've just let fall through the wayside, you know. Um, and they go on to do better and bigger and better things. And like you say, we're not going to need to delve into those ones anymore because we all know who we're referring to. But I, I think that Nisbet's got what it takes. I think one of the most lucrative things about if you went for Nisbet was is that he would come in and you could chuck him, you know, right right into the first team. Um, and I know there's some people who would go, yeah, perhaps, maybe not, but I, I do think he's ready. You know, he easily could have started for Scotland. Um, obviously, he didn't, but any other day, you know, it, it really could have been and there was large calls for that. Um, and again, he's, he's done the business at Hibs, you know, so perhaps maybe not for, for Mitch Landon and that's, for me, even though he could, but I think maybe some fans could even be a little bit sceptical about that. I appreciate that. But, you know, you're not having any hesitation in sticking this bit into the first league game. Um, none whatsoever, because you know he can he can do the job. So I think a Nisbet partnership up top, because he likes playing in a two as well, you know, he, he's done well with Scotland with that. Um, and not always at Hibs was he in a two, but when he was with Christian Dodge, you know, he worked well with him. Um, and I've, I've seen quite a lot of Hibs last season and I would like to see Celtic play with a two because um, I think if if we're going to utilise Griffiths in the way that we've now awarded them or rewarded them with a new deal then he has to get game time Griffiths at this age is working best as a two and I think with Nisbet beside them it could be a really exciting partnership I think Amy speaks a lot of sense here Russell in terms of Celtic if they're going to play Lee Griffiths and he has to be part of a two we have yep. banged on about the best football that Celtic played in recent years was when Griffiths was part of a two up front with Otson Edward in particular when they caught fire when they came back from Dubai not like yep. this year last year and went on that amazing run scoring run as well and it seemed to function it seemed to gel then now a front two of Nisbet and Griffiths is something that might excite you surely yeah totally I couldn't agree more with what Amy said. I think Nisbet is someone that's under our noses that you could end up regretting if you seen him going down to, I think it was Birmingham City he was linked with before. You know, say he was to get something like 15, 20 goals in the championship next year and then moves on for, you know, the undoubtedly inflated daft English sort of money. But, you know, perhaps 10 million or something like that the following year, we would be kicking ourselves. So I think when it's in our league and it's so like in front of your face, obvious, then Celtic really need to be capitalising. We did a good show, I think, when we were talking about players in the domestic league a couple of months ago, Tony, we'd spoke at length about what the benefits were of signing guys from the league that you're actually currently operating. We've seen how many other players come to the league and it takes them by surprise. They take time to adapt. In some cases, they don't adapt at all. Um and you just you have to be thinking if there's a guy there who's rated highly enough to be at the Euros in a very talented Scotland squad I appreciate we didn't perform very well but it is a talented squad there was a good pool there um, to select from Nisbet's made that squad on merit um, based on what he can do in the SPFL um, he's going to be affordable let's be completely honest while Sibs might want to push up the price again with us slightly I think we need to start taking that on the chin that we have our hand is forced by the predicament we find ourselves in with the shortness and days to the, the, the upcoming Michelin match. I think I said Michelin there, you know what I mean? I'm making the tyres. Um, but I, I'm like, I think with Nisbet, for me it would be a sensible signing, I think. And I like Amy's point about the working in a two. Um, for me, I don't think as an excuse to be playing one up top in the domestic league. Um, unless it is really to accustom the, you know, the, to, the, to the, the matches against your rivals. I happen to think that in the other games, we should be aggressive. And I like, obviously, the noises that comes from Postacoglu is he is an aggressive coach and he's going to be wanting us to be on the attack. For me, a two up front is certainly part of that and something I would like to see us utilise more often. Amy, Nisbet is first team ready. I banged on about that phrase first team ready, 
Yep. We, we bang on about that. Players having come in and make a contribu- contribution, hit the ground running. That is a player who could do that straight off the bat. He knows the league, he knows the setup. The only thing he may be not aware of is European football, but, you know, go and express yourself. Be, as Russell said, on the front foot, positive. And if they're going to play attack minded football, it'll be up Nisbet and Griffith Street, surely. Yeah, like you say, we know um, that there's been a lot of talk coming in that Ange likes to play, you know, the attacking football and he really is reliant on his wingers. So I appreciate then that would maybe think that, that it would only be a one man up top for Celtic. And if that's Ange style, then we have to go with it. But also, it has to be, you know, the, the perfect mix because at the same time, it needs to play to Celtic's strengths. And I think Russell would hit the nail on the head there. When we're playing against, you know, 99% of teams in the league, I, I do believe that we should be playing to up top because we shouldn't just be, you know, scoring two and, and, and sitting back, you know, we should we should keep going and keep pressing. And again, I, I understand then, so let, let's say we go with Ange's, you know, as, as past records and it, it'd be the one striker up top, then it doesn't really, do we really see Griffiths being that one man up top? Because I think a lot of us would say that, that those days are gone. So then you're having to look for another striker and then, then I'd be turning to Nisbet as well if we this is obviously all in the case that we don't have odds in Edward. So it's offering options, you know, if it be in the two or the one. Um and say Griffith starts as, as the lone striker, he's not gonna last ninety minutes, um, not as the lone striker, because he's he's just he's getting old. It's um it's a different Griffiths to it was, you know, yeah, well. a certain amount of years ago. So it's um it's I think it is a sensible sign in and again he may not be European ready, but you know, how many do we bring in who are European ready? True. Now, the the caveat to this is this is all the kind of gossip, rumours, Russell, you know, not nothing concrete per se, but, I mean, it's, it's still out there and we'll give our opinion on it. And another one that's out there now is the the fact that Norwich City, newly promoted Norwich City to the English Premier League, mm-hmm. are possibly weighing up a £12 million move Christopher Ayer, who's seen various moves to Newcastle and others go by the wayside. Now, that we spoke about, everybody knows my thoughts on Christopher Ayer as a football player. Yeah, but I said Celtic should not be selling him for less than his market value, which whatever that is. You know, they knocked back 10 million and now they seem that Norwich are going to be prepared to pay the 12 million. Now, to me, that seems a decent bit of business for Celtic if they conclude it he might well be there by the time the season starts but if Norwich's interest is as concrete as that and that's the kind of figures we're talking then I think you would say that's that would reti- represent a decent return for a, a player yeah. of Ayer's ability Yeah I think there's two sides to it I mean 12 million whilst it's good for us I mean it's, it's pennies to Norwich you know they've just you know got the EPL riches, you know, just, you know, landing in the bank account probably the last month. You know, they could certainly afford that. For us, we need to look at it realistically. He's got one year to go in his deal. He had said publicly, and when I spoke, I thought he spoke very well in that, in fairness. I thought he was just being honest. He says, I've got an agreement with Celtic. They know where I stand. You know, I, I will be expecting to leave if an offer comes in sort of thing. Um, I would wish him all the best and take 12 million. I've got to be honest to you. I think we can reinvest that, you know, smarter across the across the team than losing Ayer for free at the end of next season, which is obviously the risk you run if you keep rejecting offers uh, for him. It'd be interesting to know where Celtic sort of valued him um, this summer, because it is a bit strange. We are aware that clubs haven't made as much revenue from obviously fan attendance. Uh, you know, obviously your match day revenue can fall in other ways. So perhaps the, the market this summer might be slightly down on what what maybe we've the growth we've seen in it in your know, the past couple of decades. I think this year could be one where fees are maybe a wee bit more realistic. Um, well, to you and I, more realistic. Um, and I think twelve million for I does reckon. You know, I think we recognise that as good business. To be honest with you, twelve months to go in the deal. He's not signing a new one. He's made that abundantly clear. Twelve million goes stick it right all back into the kitty um, for for building a team ready to you know mount a title challenge this year. Do you know what well, I mean? Amy, I look at that and I see if you get twelve million for Ayer, right? You could get Hickey, you could get Vuskovic, you could get Nisbet. That piece yep. for that, right? Now those those are three players that they've been linked with, and that's the kind of money we're talking. I'm not saying it's going to be those three, but 
on the back of if Ayer leaves for that kind of money, you can replace him with three players up to four million quid. Simple mathematics, isn't it? As long as they plough every penny back into, you know, the 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 team, you know, and spend the twelve million quid. Now you, you work get two six million pound players if that's the way you want to go, you know, so or whatever. But at least if that kind of revenue comes in and you're prepared to pay it out again, then you're going to add to to the, the squad. But it goes back to the quality element, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. the quality over quantity. Yeah. You know, so that, and that's that's to use Russell's analogy. That's the flip side of that argument, isn't it? <laughs> you, you don't want numbers in, but you want quality players to come into your club and make a contribution from the get go. Yeah, um, we know we're not going to get the money that we we all really wanted for it. You know, as, as Russell said, it's only twelve months left on this deal. Um, we can, I, I think, we are now at the stage that we can maybe try and push Norwich one more, but we, we need to be careful. Um, there's no denying that I do. I think. You know, he suits perfectly for Norwich, and I could see him in a few years. You know, Grant Hanley's obviously their captain right now, who's remarkably young, even though he seems like he's been on the big stage for for decades. Um, but I, I think he'd be a, a great suit. We, we talk about, you know, all this bad business and perhaps that's the, the way, obviously, we've let our last 12 months, uh, only 12 months left on his deal, hence why we won't get, you know, maybe the, the big sum that we would be after because the, we're spot on, you know, 12 minutes. 12 million, sorry, is absolutely nothing to, to these clubs down south. But we need to be clever in the way that if we get, you know, a, a sell-on clause in the deal, um, it's about time, you know, I think people are talking about the Edward one, you know, what what are PSG going to be getting off this deal? You know, you could, uh, Jack Hendry, how frustrating we're going to end up in that deal. then could make whatever whatever they really want to, you know, they could be pushing for about 5 million for them. So, so it seems, so it's about time we'd be a bit cleverer in our deals, even when, when we're letting a player go. Um, and, and that's where I think we could even make, you know, the more money from Ayer that perhaps we won't be making right now if people were maybe more looking for for twenty for him for twenty twenty five. Because if Ayer's playing down south, that is what he's getting, you know. Um, and again, and it's still a bargain because this is it's nothing, anything below twenty for a, a Premier League club is, as I say, it's pennies and it's it's no no water off a duck's back. I think Celtic have been shrewd in the past, though. I think there's still a clause in Musa Dembele's deal where if he goes for uh, a lot of money then Celtic will get some windfall and mm-hmm. you know from that so I think I think they've maybe got burned slightly over the Edward deal because I think they thought when Edward's stock was high they were going to sell him for the the Dembele dollars as people called it you know <laughs> and, and as Russell's alluded to there the market might be lower so Celtic might struggle to make any real kind of money on Edward who's in the same position as I a year ago uh, and has actively said that, you know, he want he's another player that maybe wants out the door, but you don't know how he's reacting under Ange. That's good odds and that's good odds and that's good odds and you know, so if the man keeps blowing smoke rings up your proverbial <laughs> then you know, you might like the cut of his jib, as Jim would say. Or you might be inclined to stay a wee bit like, I don't know what you know, only Odds and Edward can answer that question. But while he's still in the building, while I are still in the building, then you have to get a tune out of them. You've got to play them. Because if these guys want moves, then they're going to have to earn those moves. And if they're going to earn your club money, then they're going to have to play. I know people say, well, that cuts your nose off despite your face because you've got unhappy players. But this is a new manager. They might be unhappy in the previous regime. It's a new broom, it's a clean slate. They might like it. They might not. But they might say to them, look, while you're here, give me a shift. And if somebody comes in for you, you'll go with your blessing. That's the way I would approach it in regards to Odson Edward, Christopher Ayer, and even Ryan Christie, who has been linked with Crystal Palace, I believe, hasn't he? Over the weekend. So uh, that's that's my thinking on it. What would you do with them, Russell? Something similar? I think when they're available for the squads, remember... We need to treat these ties as one-off ties against the likes of Mitchell and because the revenue potential, if, and I, I accept it is a massive if, if we were to you know, somehow navigate them, you're going to need your better players to do that. You're going to need guys like Edward is, at the end of the day, getting linked with big money moves. Ayers get linked with big money moves because they are good players. And we've got a squad short, you know, a squad that's going to be short on time to enhance too much. So I think... 
for the Michelin games, you know, you treat them as free hits for uh, the likes of Edward and I, and you say, look, put you in the shop window. We're not trying to force your hand into staying or anything like that. Um, but of course, the flip side, Tony, could be if you did somehow get a tune out of these guys amongst you know the rest of the squad and you were to qualify for the group stages, odds on Edward then might become more likely to stay. I mean, it's quite, which would be quite another amazing side to what has been an ongoing story for a long, long time now with regards to him. You never know. But I would definitely be, you know, looking at them and thinking, the manager's just got to pick his best 11 for these European qualifiers. End of story. And if that means it's players that might have their head turned already and be thinking that they would have left by now, then so be it. If they're there, you pick your best 11. If the manager feels Odson Edward or Chris Iyer or both come into that category of ready for the first 11 or in the top 11 players there, which you'd like to think they would, then um, I think we need to play them. We can't afford to be having guys like Edward sitting in the stands when there is an outside, and I accept an outside chance of £40 million at our disposal um, if we were to qualify. You can't have Edward sitting in the stands watching that. Strange things happen in football, Amy, and I don't think for a minute that Odson Edward would sign a new deal but he might, <laughs> you know, so it, it just depends what, if he's liking the noises that are coming from the new manager, all seems to be pretty positive at Celtic at the minute, but I mean, that that would be quite something if a player like Odson Edward decided to stay for maybe another year or, or whatever. I'm a pessimistic person in general, but I generally don't think it's even been that pessimistic. Like, I don't see it happening at all. Um, I really don't. It's... I feel I feel his heart's not in it now, and I know that we can we can talk about you know Angie's maybe turned heads a little bit, but I think it would maybe be a little bit too dreamy um, for Edward to stay because mm-hmm. I he did not tools last year, you know he wasn't the Edward that we'd maybe seen in previous campaigns. There was a few opportunities last year that you'd have banked your house on him to you know to put these chances away, and he just didn't. That cutting edge wasn't there, and it was it was a frustrating watch sometimes. Um, but there was no other real option, and I think that's why he was more playing week in week out more than anything. I feel he um, he had the opportunity, you know, probably over the last year to really show that he could get this move um, away from the club, which is inevitable that he wants, and he, he didn't show it then. And I don't know what this is. Perhaps when I'm in the different mind to Russell that. I, I get the, the the flip side that you you want to be playing your best players in a in a European qualifier and well you should be playing your best players at any game, but in the same sense should we be using this as a, a chance for these guys to you know show off and get their wanted move away? They had that opportunity last year and, and they never really took it. Mm-hmm. Is it wise to you know let's say we we play them for Michelin, but then he gets that move away and then we have not played anyone other than Edward up top for you know our first game against Hearts. So we need this we need a little bit of stability and consistency is key. And that's where I would go with the basis that if these want away players are wanting away, then I, I wouldn't be playing them because they like I say they had their opportunity to to be in, in the window, be in the, the shop market and and they've missed it. And now we can't afford we can't afford to allow them it now and and the start of this new season, just so they can they can get their desired move when we've got guys like if it be Griffiths or a Yeti in need of game time, um, and they guys then deserve it more if they're wanting to commit to Celtic as Griffiths obviously has, um, or if it be Turnbull or Stephen Welsh at the back, Leo Hills instead of Ayer. Um, I just think we have to we have to move on now, and if it is going to be a rebuild, then we need to you know turn away from the guys who. And I'm not saying that it was Edward and Ayer's fault last year because Ayer was arguably one of our better players, but we need to move on and the clean slate. We have to get rid of all the players that aren't going to be part of this new rebuild. Well, that's interesting because Fraser Ogilvy comes in, Amy. Kind of what you're saying as well. He's saying the rule is being pulled over the eyes. Contracts to players who failed last year, no signings in key positions, Norwich sniffing at Ayer now, so, so far behind, like we've been saying. You know, it's a bit, bit scathing there, really, you know, but I mean, it's, it's the way he feels, you know. So, Russell, you agree with Fraser there? I'm not convinced the rule's been pulled over our eyes. I just think we're in a situation of our own doing. And therefore, you know, there's not been any signings made because really Andrew's only been on the training ground you know, for a week now. So he's still assessing. And even then, it's been a depleted squad because of Euros and things like that. So to make key decisions about key positions and 
strengthen your squad with whatever budget constraints you've got as well. He'll be maybe needing a wee bit more time to do so. I'm not convinced this is all smoke and mirrors this time. I get the feeling that Don McKay means business. I think Ange Postecoglou certainly has the opportunity of a lifetime with us and won't be, uh, you know, settling for, all oh, right, I wanted to strengthen a position, but I can't because, you know, we actually just kid on that we're going to do transfers. We're not, a, you know, we're going to carry on acting the way we were before in the windows. I don't see that happening. I, I get the feeling that right now we just, we're in a terrible situation in terms of time um, due to the, the how fiasco. That is what it all comes down to. And I don't want to exhaust that point. I think we've made it a million times, you know what I mean? I, I am not convinced that we are having the wool pulled over our eyes this time. I like to think that the 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 certain aspects we have seen moving in a different direction with Celtic recently that we've already touched on at the start of the show. Hopefully is an indicator that Celtic's moving in a, in a different direction across the board. And that would then mean and how we deal with transfer dealings as well. I think the jury's out yet. I understand the scepticism because we've had our fingers burned before Champions League qualifiers with lack of signings, not getting deals done over the line, relying on seeing whether we make the Champions League before say, identifying what players we can or can't afford. And usually it's the latter on that one, obviously. Because of that strategy, I'm expecting Celtic to be moving in different directions on various sort of aspects of the club right now. I fully expect that to be involved in transfer dealings as well. I think we will be more assertive in the market um, when a player is identified by, you know, whether it's a scout and it's put to Ange and he approves or if it's something that Ange brings to the table from his previous experiences, perhaps. Um, I think if Ange then has looked at our squad and thinks, yeah, that needs strengthening and that's the guy, I think Celtic will do everything they can from now on to go out and actually get the deals done as opposed to what we've seen in the past. Now, whilst I agree with a lot of what Russell's just said there, he, he mentioned one word, time. Time is Celtic's enemy now, yep. isn't it, really? And it is a situation of their own doing. But we are slowly but surely trying to crawl our way out of the problems that we've created for ourselves. And unfortunately, that takes time, which we don't have as a commodity. We don't have a lot of for the European ties. Maybe sort it out domestically. So then that goes back to the school of thought, do you forfeit Europe for domestic success? Um, I'm of the opinion, no. You try and do your best in both competitions. You don't forfeit anything. You're a Celtic team, you try and win every game, but we know that's not possible. You know, it's not possible, but you have to at least endeavour to try that. Yeah, you've got to, you know, you can't. And I, I understand, you know, there's been a lot of this free hit at Europe, but I, I think, like you say, you've got to take it as, you know, a, a great opportunity, as any chance in, in Europe really is. Um, and that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier with time. You know, it's uh, one minute I wanted to give, you know, you want to give Ange Postecoglou a little bit of patience and let him build and, and see what he's, he's got at his, um, at, at, at his disposal. But at the other time, at the other side, sorry, you're wanting, you know, I just want a, a ready-made player in the door here and, and we're not seeing that. So it's tough, it is. Um, and I know that's... The old adage, Amy, give me patience, but give it now. That kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Something like that. <laughs> um, like you said, there's no way. We can't just say, you know, Europe's a, a non-starter. You've got to give it your best shot. And I, I think, you know, this season and um, even, you know, the Euros more than ever, anything can happen. Without a doubt, you know, that, and you, you touched on there, Russell, these, these are one-off ties, you negotiate them as they come along. You know, I think most supporters would love to see us beat Michelin, Michelin, the Danes, the great Danes. Uh, you know, and if they beat the Danes, they would be very impressed by that. But a lot of supporters also would want a strong start domestically. Now, I said in the pod on Friday that that means going to Tynecastle and winning and going to Ibrox and winning. A lot of supporters would would possibly want that before beating the Danes. It depends what kind of side of the fence you're on with that. But I, I'm of the opinion, why can't you do the two of them? Even though you might lack the personnel per se, but this is all doable stuff. You, I think if Postacoglu wants to really get people on board, win football matches. It's a simple thing, isn't it? And, and it's the hardest thing in football, but they, they're not 
these these games aren't undoable. You know, they, they are very doable. You know, you go to Ibrox, you lay a marker, I said on Friday, go and do that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you, Tony. I think, you know, I think it was Kev who used to say, used to go, if you do well in Europe, domestic league takes care of itself because you'll have a prop that will mean that your team has risen and to such a standard, you know. Um, I, I definitely think we should be trying to challenge on both fronts. I think that's the vibe that, that, that Amy's given. I have called the Champions League a free hit, more of a reference for absolving the manager of any blame if we don't, because I don't think this is on him. That would be where, where as far as I go with a free hit in that aspect. The flip side is we were very, very fortunate to be in the yeah, Champions yeah. League. It's very important. First, second place team in you know over a decade um, to, to to have a Champions League qualifier. Make the most of it. Grab it with both hands. Give the manager as many tools as you possibly can to achieve success in those qualifying routes. Because let's be honest, even if we don't, we then drop into a Europa League playoff, which then becomes pretty essential that we win. As I don't think fans will buy into a Conference League season for Celtic. Um, I think that would give off bad vibes as well. So I think we do. You go on. Do you know what, Russell? I'm of the opinion, though, but see the more high-pressure games that Celtic play, gets Ange used to that mentality. No, totally, mate. Right? He, he, yeah. he has to get used to that high-pressure stakes at Celtic and play as many of those high-pressure games as possible. Whereas if they do get knocked out and they're in a Europa League playoff, then you know, losing's not an option, that kind of thing. Yeah. I want that mentality, I think that can help breed success because you're peaking and you're peaking and you're peaking some more. Yep. Timecastle, you're going to have to peak. Three weeks after that, you're going to have to go to Ibrox and peak. Keep peaking. You know, he said it himself, we don't stop, we don't rest. Fine, this is your opportunity to, to go and prove that mentality. You know, when John Mohern comes in, he's looking at individual players and he reckons that mm-hmm. Ajeti looks in good shape from the vids. Celtic uploaded, he looks ready. I know there is a player there. That's fair enough. That's that's the man's opinion, and I think a lot of people's personal juries out in that. But if he can get these guys to peak, guys like a jetty, then you might just might pull this off. Absolutely, and at the end of the, the day, you know, a manager or a player, you want to be playing at the top as well. You know, you want to be. I know we can maybe use the, the phrase, you know, thrown at the deep end, but if you offered, you know, that sort of fixture list to, to any sort of player, you know, away to Tynecastle and then a few weeks later away to Ibrox, you know, that that's what you want. Like I say, you test yourself at the best and that's up in levels and, and that's what it's all about. And there's no point, you know, just lurking about low and, and it, not... It's really... why you're a footballer, is it not? Exactly. exactly. You want to play in these, surely you're dying, you're busting to play in these, these arenas, the European arena... Tynecastle, Ibrox, if you play for Celtic, that is, that's the stage you want to be playing at, or on, sorry. Absolutely, and it's testing the mentality, because if that's not the mentality that a player has, then then really, what are you doing at Celtic? No, you're spot on. Go on, Russell, sorry. No, you're spot on with that attitude. I mean, one of the biggest things we've been told that's such a selling point for Celtic over the years is the chance to play in the Champions League. Well, you've got that chance, and I would implore the players that are available for selection. Hopefully there will be a couple of additions by the you know, the first leg of the first tie. Um, I would implore, give it your absolute all. Don't leave anything because it is a special opportunity they've been granted this season. It is a one-off, you know, finishing second and getting the opportunity. And Champions League nights at Celtic has been far too long. I think Declan McConville, when he's on, actually knows the exact date since we've mm. last played in the Champions League. And... From my memory, I think it's 2017 that he said, you know, that's far too long for us to be missing out on, you know, um, on those sort of nights. And from the players' point of view as well, as you say, Tony, the harder the opposition for them that they're against or the, the higher the pressure the game is, usually because it is better opposition you're against, you would get that, the better our squad's going to become, the better our manager is going to adapt as well. I and totally the, early, the earlier, the better. To, to get you in that environment, get that mindset, whatever you call it. Now, Brian McLean, 19's come in. Here's, here's a question for us. Currently, who would be your first 11 for the Michelin game with the squad we have? 
Mm, that's that a tough one. That is naughty. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> our, our boss man has just flung that curveball at us because we don't know who's going to be in or out the building. I'm going to sit on the fence on that one and say, well, you know, if I had a structured squad in front of me of ins and outs and that was it, then I'd be able to decipher where I'm going with that. But there'll be a lot of movement, I would conjecture, in the next two weeks to and fro Celtic Park. So it's impossible to call. I that's that's my diplomatic politician answer to that question. Brian, Ma- Brian McLean, 19. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. And I'm going to move on and hit you with Amy. Now, you look like a fashionista like myself, but there's only one fashionista here amongst us, the style guru that is the man, the man in your bottom <laughs> screen. Nobody you know, I'm kind of, mine's just kind of casually understated, you know. But uh, the new Celtic third strip, the third kit, uh, we've just been accused of bottling it by our <laughs> esteemed boss. Yes, you're probably quite right. Uh, now, the new Celtic third strip was released pictures of Greg Taylor wearing it with badges all over the place and pink in it. And, you know, now, I didn't have a massive opinion on this, but I'm just going to say two two words, or three words. It's dark cotton. <laughs> right, rhyming slang, work it out. That's it. That's where I stand on that whole debacle. Pink does not belong in a Celtic jersey. To me, I know the links to the Lisbon ticket and all that palaver, but please, no badges. I mean, what's going on with that kit, Amy? Please. I'll be honest, I'm not a fan. Um, I tried to, like, I quite <laughs> like, you know, something a bit different, a little bit alternative, but I just, I really can't get behind this one. Um, really struggling. Um, Rob, Rob, Robert Baker says the third kit sexy. Some Facebook users come in and says it's honking. That's where I was going with the dot cotton line, my good friend. Thanks very much for that. Um, uh, go on, Amy. Sorry. I, I, do, I, think, there. Hard, you know, I think there's been, um, I think there's been links. It's, you know, the, obviously everybody knows that the stained glass window, obviously in Celtic Park, and, and that's maybe where it is. But I just feel, I remember the Liverpool strip a few years ago, they had pink in it as well. And they had like pink here and they had, I think their standard chartered was green. And that was by Adidas. And I just, I'm just not getting on the bandwagon. I'm really not. I love a third kit to be black you know I don't I think black is so so classy um as I'm sort of certain today but it's, um, it's <laughs> I, just, I, I just can't get behind it I really can't I've looked at it from different angles I'm kind of with you that the pink doesn't really suit you know that full sort of pink thing we had going on a few years ago um with New Balance and the, the black collar the black shorts I just um, I can't I can't get behind it I like the badge where it is um, I know there's quite a few not so, so big a fan of that, but like my first strips when I was growing up was you know the the, the Carlin sponsored strips and the crest was in the middle again and I loved that and, and my younger brother he had that all you know the really the, green one. the dark green one yeah the old green it, one yeah 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 beautiful I think it was, was that Umbro um, right night was it night there you go um, that was stunning and I quite liked the badge then in the middle but the daffabet down the bottom I think you know it's so low down if you pull your shorts up it's going to be hidden um, I'm not a I, I can't get behind that. I, I can't. It's. Um, I won't be, you know, racing to go and buy that. You, you won't be by uh, rushing out to spend your fifty quid non-season ticket voucher on that. Then, Amy, no. <laughs> a non-starter that is. Fair enough. Non-starter for you, Russell. You're a, a man of flamboyant taste, shall we say? That's a good word. It's a bit of a flamboyant kit, is it not? It is a flamboyant kit to an extent. The jury's very much out in it. I'm not I'm not convinced <laughs> right now. I think the the sponsorship thing that Amy's just mentioned, Paul had sort of said that last week. I can't remember if it was in the group chat or on the show, that the sponsor's really low and that is just my OCDs went out of control with that man. I just kinda of thought looking at it now and going, Why is the sponsor so low down on it? It's weird. Um as for the pink and the kit, I suppose we've had a hit and a miss with the pink and the kit. I thought the pink one with the black collar was relatively all right. I didn't mind it too much, but then you had that grey one with the the pink sort of V shape at the bottom, which of course they never even wore in one solitary match. Which, as we've said before, will become a famous pub quiz question. I have no doubt about it. 
Um, Joseph McGonagall comes in, Russell, to say yeah. it's to represent the stained glass window, I th- that we, which Amy alluded to. I think it would be yeah. okay with, without the sponsor. Yeah, I mean, there's been various links with the pink, hasn't there, with the stained glass window and the, the Lisbon ticket, that kind of thing. So, oh, a myriad of pinkness and, and Celticness in the last couple of years. I think what it's done, though, is it definitely enhanced the other away kit. It, it looks even better than it did before. It is a Rolls Royce of an away kit, that. So I think, uh, if anything, it's inspired me to definitely make that my purchase now for this summer. You chucked in the uh, goalkeepership as well. That's equally howling. Oh, the goalkeeper kit. That if, if any, Oh, if anybody's, Yeah, it's a full pink monstrosity, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah, it's not, not very good. Uh, but we'll... we'll We'll do is what King Jim always says. We'll move on from the pink goalkeeper kit. But uh, these are the things that kind of you know divide the Celtic supporters. I love their opinion on it. You know, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how many people actually buy it. But uh, you know, somebody said they think it's sexy. Other people in social media have said they really like it. People questioning where the badge is and, and the sponsorship and all that. So I, I actually think that it'd be a good idea one year to maybe ask the fans what kind of third kit they would want, Amy, and, you know, get the designers amongst them. Paul John mm-hmm. Dykes is a bit of an artist in, in our place, you know, to to design a, a bespoke kit and see if you could have some kind of, no, you know, the, the, the winner, a competition, you know, and then the winner, you know, the Adidas take that on board or something, just an idea and connect you again, reconnect with the, with the fans, you know, get the fans to design a third kit. Nothing you know, like that black one, you know, with the tricolour on the sleeves when you rolled them up. Um, was that for for 2013? I loved that. Loved you know, that. That, that kind of thing, just say, you know, we're going to have a third kit, but you're going to design it. I think that would be a brilliant idea. You know, and how proud would you be as a Celtic supporter if it was your design that was chosen to be the, totally. you know, the, you the third kit? That you yeah, can yeah. make that aimed at the under-16s or something like that as well, do you know what I mean? Make it... Uh, of course. You know, so you're getting the next sort of generation getting engaged as well. Yeah. I think I think you're already a winner with that, though, Tony. I think that's a, a no, refreshing I, idea. You know, because if you're going to manufacture a third kit, you know, I, I just think, you you see, you would you would catch the imagination of everybody if you said, if you opened it up and said, look, this is going to be designed up, you know, by a Celtic supporter. That just an idea moving forward. If you're listening to Adidas, that would be... You know, I can't draw to save myself, so I would never be able to uh, come up with a kit. You know, I'll leave it mm-hmm. in the hands of Paul John. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeless. Amy, you are artistic in that sense. Art? No, to be... No, really, no. Not to get a self-doubt. <laughs> it's a can, there's a can of worms there, because, you know, Russell, you, you'll know as, as well as me, there's some shockers out there you know some people make on and you see them on the Celtic fan pages and you're just like my god I hope nobody catches an eye of that because some of them can be absolutely <laughs> um, and pink would be the least of your worry there but um, <laughs> like you say it's there's definitely a an idea there like you say, it's the, the connection with younger fans and I think most yeah. fans would certainly get behind that Are you Russell would you submit an entry because um, I just because you're a fashionista, a fashionista, you know what I mean. I think if there was a zippy competition, I would definitely be better than that. <laughs> and our boss man's came in. Will the Colts be wearing the same kits as the first team? Ooh. What's your thoughts to that? that? New Dundas Park against Bonner Grows on the first day. I'll be oh, that's a shocker. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have to market it somewhere, Amy. So there's every chance that it could get an out and against Bonnie Rig Rose in the flesh. Mm-hmm. You you can get up close and personal with it if that's the case. Yep. And but we'll end on that high low note, <laughs> <laughs> so to speak. I've been Tony Haggerty. It's been a Celtic state of mind and I've been joined by the amazing Amy Canavan and Russell Boyce, a resident rascal. Subscribe. Yes, and as Russell's (laughs) pointing, subscribe to all the channels. Oh, and join us for Stream of Celica tomorrow as well. We are going to March 1996. 
shameless plug for Screamer Celica by <laughs> Russell Boyce Marvelous. Uh, you may as well plug Soccer Supernova Amy go on I don't know who's on this week <laughs> <laughs> well we'll we'll, we'll plug we'll plug the, we'll plug the Soccer Supernova show with the man with no name alright <laughs> with Amy this week excellent Report. Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Social Podcast Network. Sports 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 Social Podcast Network. Network.